Well, hey, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that we get to spend this time together. Okay, I'm going to start off with a quick question for you. How many of you, the Christmas decorations go up as early in November as possible? I know there's some of you out there, the Christmas lights are going out. There's no shame in that, right? There's actually a whole lot of anticipation and excitement when we do that. And then, of course, at least for the vast majority of us, we just get excited as we build up to Christmas and everything that comes with that, the, the Advent, uh, the Christmas decorations. There's so much that goes on with that. And it's very much all of that, a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement. We might actually just say it's a sense of, of hope. And And today, because I just think it's one of our best Christmas films of excitement, of of anticipation uh, that we have, we're going to take a look at the movie Elf, which is honestly hysterical. Uh, If you know the film, and I totally think you should, because in our home, we just quote it randomly from time to time, completely out of context. Uh, This film has a great sense of and a theme of excitement and of hope. So let's watch a little bit of that right now. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign What a super fun movie, right? I mean, there's so much of anticipation and hope wrapped up in that idea of Santa, at the idea of him actually showing up. And I mean, Will Ferrell, just hysterical in that scene. And I would say, believe it or not, that this is actually a really good way to help us connect with the idea of excitement and hope that we find in the Bible leading up to and including the story of Christmas. Because in the Bible, hope is absolutely a major theme. The excitement and anticipation of something good and meaningful happening as we wait for it is a crucial part of understanding how the Bible talks about hope. But honestly, it can be kind of different from how we normally talk about hope because often for us, when we use the word hope, we say it in ways like, hey, I hope you feel better or I hope we get to the airport in time or I hope you have a happy birthday or we hope you get the job or I hope I can find a good Christmas present for that person who is notoriously difficult to buy presents for. You get the idea, I hope. Well, when we talk about hope, It's almost always in the sense of just wishing something good or positive will happen. Or maybe in trying to be optimistic, even in difficult circumstances or when the odds are against us. Like maybe finding that perfect Christmas present for the person that's really hard to buy for. But when the Bible speaks about hope, which it often does, it very often talks about it in the terms of waiting. So in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, hope is about waiting with anticipation, waiting patiently and even with tension for the good thing we know is coming, but that hasn't arrived yet. And I want to show you what I'm talking about for this. And to do that, we get to do some exciting ancient Hebrew word studies. So here we go. We're going to look at kind of two, two and a half words. The first word is yahal. You can try to say that with me. You got to get kind of guttural. Yahal. And yahal is about waiting and, and hoping. It has this idea of being patient and waiting, of longing, or my personal favorite, so far disappointed, but still hoping and waiting. And so in Genesis 8 verse 12, when Noah is in the ark with his family and there's just water all around, we read that Noah yahaled, he waited for the Lord. 
Or Job 13, verse 15, when everything has fallen apart in Job's life, he says, though he slay me, though the Lord slay me, I will yahal in him. I will wait or hope in him. So that's yahal. Then the second word is kava. Kava has this idea of to hope strongly, and it's related to the Hebrew word kav, which just means cord. So if you can picture, if you have a rope and you hold it on two ends and you pull it tight, you create a state of tension. That is kava, that idea of uh, of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. And kava can also be tweaked a little bit to be tikva, which again is that hope and expectation that we can have for something good. So when the prophet Hosea looks at the destruction around him in Israel after they've been conquered by the nation of Assyria, he says that God will, this is Hosea 2.15, he says that God will transform the valley of trouble, all the destruction that he sees around, he will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of tikvah, of hope. And in chapter 12.6 of Hosea, he says this, so now come back to your God, act with love and justice and always kava or depend or hope on him. And then Psalm 40, if you're a U2 fan, you may actually know this already because they have an awesome song called 40. Psalm 40 verse 1, uh, we read this, I kavad for the Lord and he inclined and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord he inclined and heard my cry. Or Psalm 130, verse 5. I kavad for the Lord. I waited for the Lord. My whole being kavaz. And in his word, I put my yahal, my hope. So biblical Hebrew hope is about waiting, even with tense anticipation. And so the theme that emerges over and over again in the Bible is all about waiting for God himself to show up. Hope is about waiting with anticipation, even with tension for God to show up because when he does, he brings hope and renewal and brings about life the way it was meant to be. So maybe we can think about it in this way of like, think about being a kid as a a Christmas family gathering and you're waiting for that special family member to arrive. Maybe it's some cousins, you know, and you know they're on their way. You know they're going to arrive, but they're not there yet. And it feels like it's taking so long. That is the biblical idea of hope because you know that when they get there, the fun can really start. It's like things will be just as they're meant to be. So waiting is in hope is about knowing that when God shows up, he brings renewal. He brings life as it should. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this, those who kava in the Lord, those who wait and trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And this theme runs all through scripture of of waiting on God, hoping in him, and then means waiting for him to show up because when he does, there is renewal. And all the scriptures that we're talking about here, just so you know, are covered in our companion guide. And I'm just so grateful that we have this as a church. I'm grateful for to, to Peter and the rest of the team that put this together. Because whether you look on the, the online version or the hard copy, um, this is a great resource for us to reflect on through the week and look at the scriptures. But I forgot to put Isaiah 40 in my notes. So it's not in there, but you can add it yourself and just come back to that through the week because we're going to talk about it a few more times. And so all of this, everything that we've been looking at, is looking at this theme about God's goodness and love and hope, which come when he shows up. 
so that in the Bible, hope is tied directly to God's presence. It's wrapped up and connected with God being with us. It's his proximity. It's him showing up that brings hope. And all of this, of course, is what happens when we get to the New Testament and Jesus finally comes, that we get Emmanuel, God with us. And understandably, there's a ton of excitement around this. We have Mary, the mother of Jesus, who sings this song that we have recorded in Luke chapter 1, verse 52. Mary sings this, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. I mean, that's, that's hopeful, right? That's renewing. He has filled the hungry with good things. That's restoration. But he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. There has been so much waiting and hoping and longing for God's presence to come in that statement. And there are also two other short stories of two different people in Luke, and their names are Simeon and Anna, who both have been waiting a long time, who have been hoping for God to show up, for him to actually keep his promise. And Simeon, we're told, is a righteous man, and he happens to be at the temple the same time that Mary and Joseph bring little baby Jesus there. So we read this in Luke chapter 2. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting, eagerly anticipating, hoping for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then Simeon, when he sees Mary and Joseph and little eight-day-old Jesus, he comes up to the family, and as he's holding this baby, he says out loud in verse 30 and 31, Now I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. I've seen your promise. I've seen you show up, this promise you prepared for all people. And then Anna, she's, she's actually a prophet, and she sees little eight-day-old Jesus, and we have what she says in Luke 38. She came along just, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 2, verse 38. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting, who had been longing, who had been hoping expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So these two people, Simeon and Anna, had been waiting for God to show up. And they're just, they're just two of many, right? They've been anticipating and putting their hope in his coming. All of the hope in him actually showing up just like he's doing now. So I don't know if you're not getting this yet. I hope you are. But let's just put it this way. All of this is like the biblical equivalent of Buddy the Elf screaming, Santa, in the middle of gimbals, right? There's so much excitement as an anticipation of this. And then what does this mean, right? Where, where does this take us? Well, I think it means that biblical hope and optimism are two very different things because biblical hope is in a person. It's in God himself coming to our rescue and bringing his presence, which is very, very different than optimism. Optimism, uh, you know, kind of says, I hope, despite the circumstances, that things will go well. It's kind of a way of looking for the best possible outcome in a situation despite the odds. That's optimism. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In the examples we read earlier of Noah and Hosea and Job, they all expressed hope, but none of it was in the idea of the circumstances potentially working out well, were they? Because what was the situation they were in? They were all actually 
kind of hopeless, right? Like Noah, the world is completely flooded. Like there's, there's just water everywhere. The world's destroyed. In Hosea, the kingdom is destroyed. Everything's in complete disarray. In Job, his life has been completely destroyed. Everything and everyone he, he had is gone. All of their hope was not in their circumstances because biblical hope isn't about looking for how circumstances might work out for the best. Biblical hope is about waiting on the Lord as a person to act and to show up because we know that's when renewal and restoration come. Psalm 39 verse 7 summarizes it well this way. Just one verse. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? Where do I put my kavah? My only yahal, my only hope is in you. And Psalm 40 might actually do a better job. Psalm 40 verses 1 and 3. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. This is pretty cool. The Hebrew there is kava, kava. I kava, kavad for the Lord. I waited, waited. I hoped, hoped for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. So Christian hope is not so much about a change in circumstances as it is trusting that God is with us and that he is here. Christian hope is not optimism. As Andrew Root, an author and theologian, says, optimism says something good will come from this experience. Hope says, in the midst of this hell, God will act. And the examples of anticipation and joy from Mary and Simeon and Anna, they are all joyful because they are witnessing the fulfillment of their waiting, of hoping and longing for God to show up. They are witnessing God acting. They are experiencing that the Messiah, the Savior, that hope has come. God was showing up. And this is where it gets really interesting, actually, because where God is, where God shows up, so does his kingdom. Are you following with me on that? Where God is, so also is his kingdom. His space follows. His rule and his reign go wherever he is. They are all part of the package for wherever God shows up. So when the angels show up to the shepherds on the night that Jesus is born, singing good news of great joy, this is not just some kind of heavenly PR stunt, right? This isn't just something that happens so that we can sing angels we have heard on high. This was a declaration of excitement, of anticipation that the Savior of the world, the one that loves every person, every kind of person, every color of person, every nationality, has finally come and with him comes renewal and restoration and hope for everything and everyone. This was a declaration that God, God is showing up that his kingdom will prevail and that all of our waiting on him has not been in vain. Those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And guys, look, I, I know 
I know that, that when we talk about this, it can be challenging, especially for those of us where life has been hard and disappointing, where, where for those of us, life feels especially like we are just overlooked or we are outcast. This can be especially hard to accept and hard to trust that and even hope that this promise of strength and renewal and restoration can apply to us as well because of the challenges and the disappointments and hurts of our lives. Several years ago, um, our family was in the darkest spot I think we've, we've ever been in. We were literally fighting for survival. And there was just so much chaos in our lives during that season. It was incredibly dark for us. And to be honest, we weren't sure whether we would survive, let alone recover from all of this. It was really it was really hell in a lot of ways. And uh, it's, it's a, a lot of it is a blur. I've talked about it a little bit in the past, but there, there were parts that were incredibly vivid. And I remember one moment where Naomi and I were trying to process how alone and defeated and hopeless we felt because of the circumstances, because they weren't looking good. Things weren't really looking great for us. And I remember us saying one evening, I'm pretty sure we were sitting on the floor because that's kind of where you find yourself in seasons of, of despair, right? I remember us saying that we had no idea what was going on. We did not know what was going on. But we got to a point where we figured we cannot know with God or we cannot know without God. That's kind of where we got to. We cannot know with God or we cannot know without God. We don't know either way, so which one are we going to choose? And in that moment, we said, we're going to still not know with God. And we didn't know it at the time, but that was us waiting on God. That was us putting hope in him that he was going to show up, that despite the circumstances saying that there's really no way that this was going to improve, no way that this was going to be better, that God will do something. And I don't, I don't share this story with you because I think it makes Naomi and me look good. Because to be honest, in that moment when we had that conversation and decided to not know with God, to actually hope in him, nothing changed. Like, Certainly not right away and not even for a while, not in our circumstances anyways. But we did find and start to find that the truth of Isaiah 40, 31 eventually began to play out in our life a little bit more, that we were able to go on and able to start feeling renewed. Because optimism says something good will come out of this experience. But hope says in the midst of this hell, God will act. So again, I'm not telling you the story because I think it makes me look good. Because remember, we had no idea what was going on. This was not a great moment for us. I'm telling the story because it is my experience of the truth of God's hope that plays out in our lives. And it is something available to you as well. Because God does show up and our waiting on him is not in vain. And this promise is for everyone for everybody. This is for everyone. There is no exclusion to this. Those who wait on the Lord, they wait in hope. So my encouragement is don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop hoping. Keep trusting in Jesus to show up because this is for all of us. Yes, this is for all of us. I know some of you right now will be like, yeah, but not really for me. Yes, this is even more for you. This is actually why at Bethany, I love this about our church, why we keep telling stories of God's work in people's lives, of the hope that he has brought to so many people. Remember, the circumstances don't always change. Sometimes things remain difficult, but the people change. 
their stories change, their lives are changed. And this is why home church and Celebrate Recovery and our youth ministry matter so much to us as Jesus-centered communities because we get to celebrate what God does. This is why we celebrate baptisms the way we do and listen to the stories of people around us who have experienced the joy of putting their hope in Jesus. So as Simeon, the old man that held Jesus, he said this, the hope of salvation is for all people. And all means all. This is for everyone. That love, joy, peace, renewal, and strength, all of it is coming fully because God is with us. And this is for everyone. The Apostle Paul pulls all of this together really, really well in his letter to the Roman church. So we read this in Romans 15. It's, it's kind of long. I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, it's Romans 15, 7 to 13. And, uh, but I think all this really matters in this regard. He says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles... And for those who don't know, Gentiles just means not Jewish. In that context, if you were a Jew, there was Jews, and then there's not Jews. And any not Jews is just Gentile, right? So probably most of us, uh, if not all of us, right? So he also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place, it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope in him. And then verse 13, this is really important. So I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying this is for everyone. People who think they are close to God and people who think they are far away, each one of us can enjoy life-changing hope because God has come to all of us. This is why we have hope. This is what we can put our hope in, not because we hope and wish things can be different, but I mean, we can do that too, but because our hope for a better future is rooted in a God of love and of joy and of peace who comes to us and brings his kingdom with him. This is the promise of Isaiah 40 and of Psalm 40, promises all through the scriptures of renewed strength, of solid ground to stand on, promises that we are seen and that we are not alone, that God inclines and hears our cry, that we have hope because Emmanuel, God is with us and his kingdom is here. So then what do we do with this, right? How do we make this practical? Because when we're done here, you're going to go on through your week. And on Tuesday afternoon, when you're just trying to make it through the day, what do you do? How does this have a practical implication in your life? Well, here's where I think this leads us. I think we have two options and they both have to do with waiting. The first is that we can choose to trust God's goodness while we wait. That we can uh, trust God's goodness while we put our hope in him. Trust God's goodness while we wait for him to show up. So that's the first thing. I'll explain a bit what I mean by that. But we can choose to trust God's goodness while we wait. And the second is to, that we can choose to participate in God's goodness while we wait. We can choose to participate in God's goodness while we put our hope in him and in his kingdom coming fully. And remember, this is open to anyone. 
anyone can choose to follow Jesus and decide to put their hope in Jesus. So for those who are listening right now, who are just curious about Jesus, consider this an invitation to do exactly that, an invitation to put your hope in him. But for those of us who are already following Jesus, this is just what we can and should be doing, that we should be and can be trusting God's goodness while we wait and participating in God's goodness while we wait. Because we are still waiting, aren't we? Like this, this is true. As a Christian, we are literally still waiting for God's kingdom to come fully, for him to show up fully and to see our hope, be full, sorry, our world be full of love and joy and peace. We're waiting for all of this still. Because, I mean, we, we still worry, don't we? We worry for ourselves because we know not everything's as it should be. We worry for our loved ones. We worry for even people that we've never met or might not meet because we know they are suffering immensely. And putting our hope in God for those things like that, that truly and deeply matter, trusting that we can wait with anticipation that he will show up either now or at some point in the future, that's where all of this becomes real. In my home church recently, we were reading some of Christ's words in the Gospel of John and reflecting together and just sharing a little bit about how those words impact and move us. And one of our amazing home church members, and just to be clear, all my home church members are amazing, right? It's not like some aren't smart. So one of our amazing home church members, which is all of them. uh, But one member said, yeah, this isn't really my world, is it? This isn't really my world, is it? This isn't really the world we're waiting for. Not yet, anyways, but God is still at work. And if you're a Christian, this is our great hope. Actually, this is the great hope for anybody and everyone. But if you're a Christian, we should be able to say amen to this already, that God is at work and he will one day make this world a place of peace and joy and love. This is our hope. This is what we are yahaling for. This is what we are kavahing for. This is what we are, you know, so far disappointed in, but still waiting and hoping for. Listen again to Paul's prayer in Romans 15. I pray that God the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our God, who is the source of hope, is at work and he is filling each of us with joy and peace as we trust in him, as we wait patiently, as we wait with anticipation, even with longing and wondering, when are you going to show up When we wait, trusting in God's goodness, that is when we place our hope in Christ. So that's the first thing we can do. We can choose to trust God's goodness while we wait. We can choose to put our hope in Him. And the second is that we can choose to participate in God's goodness while we wait. If you think of the movie Elf, what does Buddy do when he finds out that Santa's coming? He decorates gimbals, right? He makes it like the North Pole. And rather than me talking about it, why don't we just watch this clip? Because it's actually amazing and hysterical. So let's watch this.
As author and theologian Laurent Schultz puts it, hope is not merely waiting for utopia, but a way of relating to the future that transforms reality now. Hope is a way of relating to the future that transforms reality now. And what I think that means for us as Christians is that we don't get to just passively wait for God's goodness and work for the future. We get to participate in sharing it with the world now and today, that it changes how we interact with our world. Because let's just look at it this way. Did Buddy make gimbals into the North Pole? I mean, yeah, but no, right? Like it wasn't really the North Pole, but he got as close as he could, didn't he? Yeah, and so as disciples of Jesus, I think too that we can bring as much of God's kingdom around us as possible. So here's what I mean, that when we actively bring peace and joy and love into the places that we live, into our homes with family members, into workplaces with bosses and clients and peers, into schools with other students and um, with teachers and professors and staff, when we bring peace and love and joy into all of those places, wherever we are, that is us participating in the new hope that God's kingdom is coming. That is what Paul told the church in Rome to do. We read this already, but here it is again, Romans 5, uh, 15, 7. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Do you know that one of the main reasons Paul wrote Romans, wrote this letter to the church in Rome was because they wouldn't accept each other? It was a church that felt like everyone was deciding who was in and who was out. There was no acceptance of one another. This, this was the problem that Paul was trying to, to fix. He says, so accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. So anytime that we give generously with understanding and compassion, anytime that you surprise someone with kindness, even and especially that person that's really challenging to be kind to, every time we offer forgiveness or invite unity to another person, Every time we do that, we are actually participating in God's kingdom coming to this world. All of that in the hope of more people knowing and following Jesus. We are participating in all of that and in our world finally experiencing all the goodness that God has created it to enjoy. And just a side note on this, just to be clear, this doesn't happen without Jesus, right? It's not something we do outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is all dis- dependent on His work in us and His work through us and around us. And this is not actually about fixing our world, but about bringing a, a new world here, about bringing the world that we're hoping for as we participate in God's goodness and look for His kingdom to come here. This is about bringing God's kingdom here as we respond to His presence, to God with us, so that love and joy and peace can flourish wherever we are. So what's my hope for all of us this Christmas? Well, first of all, it's that we will choose to trust God's goodness while we wait, while we anticipate the world we're longing for and also feel the tension of this world not being what we know it will be one day, that we will kavah on the Lord and trust Him for renewal and strength and hope because we know that His kingdom is here and is active. So that's the first thing, that we will choose to trust God's goodness while we wait, and that we will also choose to participate in God's goodness while we wait, that we will live each day with the hope of the better world that's yet to come, because we know that God is with us, that He is active and working, and His kingdom will prevail. So to close today, I want to read one last time from Paul's words to his letter to the church in Rome as a way to uh, encourage and also guide our hope. So we read this from Romans chapter 15. 
Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ has come as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. And then verse 13. So I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray that that is both an encouragement and a direction for us this week. Grace and peace, everybody.